Good morning, everyone. Daddy's a little hyper today. You can't blame the caffeine, normal amount of caffeine. But what I think is going on is I'm excited about this message. Um, I'm revisiting a thought that I visited in March of two years ago, um, but with a whole bunch of different stuff. And the reason I think I'm so jazzed about it is because I see very clearly that this is one of the root issues, Greg, that is holding a lot of people, namely women, back from their best lives in Christ. And I don't, I mean, who, who would have thought that a dude in flannel with loves guns and stuff and violence would speak to women, but it's me and I'm the messenger, take her or leave her. Here she is. Ready, you ready to go? So honestly, this is the, uh, this is the jam. So this all comes from a conversation I had with my best friend, Pete. If you don't have good friends around you, it's probably because you're not a good friend, born to your friends. You're going to get a lot of those today. Deal with it. So I put a lot of effort into my friendship with Pete. I call him all the time. We talk to each other. We get in each other's lives. You know, Jonathan, David, it's biblical. So one of the things we were talking about was one day his, uh, he was down visiting a brother, an actual brother, <laughs> not like a brother, <laughs> brother from another mother or something, his actual brother. And they all went to their respective churches and came home. Well, the, the, one of the pastors or one of the whatever churches had been talking about the fear of God. And one of the youngest of the family says to Pete and his brother, he says, now, what do you think? I mean, lots of people say, like, you should fear God, especially the older generation. A lot of the churches in the 60s, 70s, 80s were big on the fear, fear, fear of God. What do you think, Dad, he says, says this 20-something-year-old kid who's finding his manhood in Christ, finding that, says, what do I believe? Well, so he sits, and you got Pete on the left, and you got his father on the right, and his father says, and this is not a judgment, I'm just telling a story. He says, yeah, I believe that's right. I believe we're supposed to fear God. I mean, have a, have a fear of God. That's a good thing. And Pete goes, well, I can just put it to you this way. I've got an eight-year-old daughter, and if ever she's afraid of me, I will have failed as a dad. And it sat in the room just about as heavy as it did just then. But AJ, shh, wait till after I'm done talking before you start. But it... But AJ, that, shh, just give me 20 minutes. We're going to talk about this. I'm going to give you my thoughts on what I think God is saying. Because honestly, there are two very different views of creator dad, as I call him sometimes, about essentially the fear of God. So later in this conversation, we discovered something fundamental that I'm going to open up with today. And I would ask that you, especially you people who are listening online, I'm not going to uh, ignore you today because this stays out there in infamy. I want you to just loosen your grip for a little bit of time. One of the greatest gifts God can give you is an open hand. An ability to eat the meat, spit out the bones. An ability to hear someone else out but stick to your true convictions. Does that make sense? I can listen to Mormons and I'm never going to leave that conversation believing that I'm going to become a God. Or that Jesus Christ is not the King of all creations, the Lord of Lords. But I can listen to him. And you know what? Not theologically, but I might learn from something from them as people. For example, dedication. Oh, I could learn dedication from Mormons. I could learn probably better and cleaner behavior from Mormons. Does that make sense? God bless us all with an open hand. That's all I'm saying. Today, I'm going to challenge you with something very fundamental. How you feel and how you view about something. How you view something, that's what I meant to say. How you view something shapes the way you interact with it. How you view marriage changes the way you are as a wife or a husband. How you view friendship. I just stepped on what you feel about friendships. Lots of you, without being purposeful, think friendships just happen. No, they don't. 
I feel as though friendships need to be watered daily, like any other relationship, but even more. And therefore, I treat it differently. If I realize I haven't talked to someone in so long, I call them. Not because I want to or because I feel like it, because that's what I believe. How you view something changes the way you relate to it. So we're going to start at ground zero, Greg. I've been quoted saying this. This is an AJ thought. We all have a big, huge picture window through which we see the world, other people, and God. Anybody have one of those in childhood, like a window you used to look out of? Go ahead and get in touch with that right now. Now, here's what's going to happen to you because Jesus says in this world there will be trouble. Sometimes rocks come up and they crack that window. When you're a kid and someone's mean to you for the first time, the world is not beautiful all the time. If a spouse hurts you or betrays you, the world through which you see, the lens through which you see the world changes. Does that make sense? It distorts. Lots of us, we went to church and thought, well, this is a place full of God's kids. They're going to act like God. Would you make it a week before you realize that wasn't true? We could just get pregnant if we want to. Everything will be fine. People don't get sick. People don't die. See Next thing you know, you're looking through this picture glass window where you used to see the world clearly and now you don't. What you see is a distorted image. Does that make sense? That happens. Join the human race, everyone. You're born, you didn't ask for it, into a family you didn't ask for it, and someday you're going to die and you're not going to ask for that either. That's reality, Bruce. But I want to challenge you today and say this. That has happened to each and every person in this room when it comes to the way we view God. So, again, I, I've got really open hand on this message today. I'm not sure exactly what he's going to do. I, I swear we're not going to get through everything. But I want everyone to close their eyes right now. Nothing weird is going to happen. Online, close your eyes as well. What does God look like? Conjure up an image of God. Okay, open your eyes. How many people got some semblance of a white dude with long hair and a white beard or something along those lines? Did anybody get Gandalf God? Okay, way to be shy. Cool, thanks. Did anybody get some other human sort of thing? Okay, 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 okay. Nobody's coming at you. And don't listen. If ever I sat here and told you what God looks like, get up and leave. Understand? Because no man has seen the Father. But my job today is just to simply ask you, where'd you get that from? My kid, Alex, and I have been watching. Izzy's too young. It's not that I favor Alex. It's just that I, I'm sensitive to those things. Alex and I have been watching the Lord of Rings trilogy. Lord of the Rings. I love it. A guy sacrifices himself. Instead of taking great power for himself, he, you know what I'm saying? He sacrifices himself for the good of other people. Guys, go listen to Jordan Peterson. He talks about types. All through the world, we create stories. And you don't want to know why we do it? I'll tell you what I told my son. We create stories like Lord of the Rings to remind us of an actual truth that's imprinted in our DNA, which is this. Jesus died for you. Why do you think you like Lord of the Rings, Bruce? It reminds you of a truth. Why do we think we like Knights of the Round Table, nobility and truth? Why do you think you like the adventure stories where the good guy wins? Because it reminds you of the actual truth where Jesus Christ overcame. Do you understand? It's called an archetype. It's called a type. And I love the fact that God has given me a good range of knowledge of psychology and stuff to, to understand that. And also to understand why people, they'll buy into the stories and they'll reject Jesus Christ. They haven't made the connection. You get it? So we're watching the Lord of the Rings and I'm teaching my son about God and about life through Lord of the Rings. And there's Gandalf. Gandalf the Grey with the long beard and the bigger voice. 
Wisdom incarnate is what he is. It's not a great Ian McKellen, but you can't do better, so stop looking at me, stank-eyed. This is Ian McKellen. You shall not pass gas. <laughs> Thank you, Val. And you've got Saruman, who I am deceived, but I am wise. And I am, and some of us said, oh, that's Father God. Why? Why? Where did we get that from? Anybody ever read the shack? One, two, nine, or 14, 14. That's me counting all the people that raised their hand. There was two of them, for the record. And even though I know that many more people have, they just don't want to play along with AJ today, which is cool. You'll hear about it after the service. So read the shack, because in the shack, God appears to this person. You ready for this? As a huge, tall, imposing African-American woman. And you know when I owned a Christian store, some people wanted to burn the book because of that? And I went, well, you're mature in Christ. Did I just say that? Yeah. Because who told you he was a big white dude? Who did that? Who told you he has flesh? Father God looks like what? He's spirit. And those who worship him have to worship him in spirit and truth. Is God's image not a black woman? If we're all creating the image of God, why are you getting stuck on colors? God gave your eyes cones for colors. Or my grandfather, who was literally colorblind, does he have an advantage over you? Is anybody following me on this? We all have these preconceptions we walk around with. And that's fine. You do you. Vote what you want to vote. But when it comes to how you view God and what you think God is, don't you think this is fundamental? And don't you think that part of my job is to challenge that notion? When we get to heaven, do you think that Asian people are going to look at God and he's going to look foreign to them? Eskimos? Native Americans? They're going to look at God and go, nah, he ain't like me. So, so some lucky parties got to be born looking like God? Can I just tell you something? You're wrong. You're wrong. God is spirit. God can inhabit all of those things, and he does. So why did you pick Gandalf God? Why did I pick Gandalf God? Pete's, uh, I'll tell tales, was an in-shaped Santa Claus. <laughs> That's what he said. Mine's an in-shaped Santa Claus. Now, two years ago, March 18th, 2018, because I have a memory like that, I'll tell you what I said to you guys, Val. I said, do you all want to know what I saw when I did that? I'll tell you what I saw. And I'm not right, but I want to show you how much it can vary. If I close my eyes to this day, let me just give me two seconds. If I see Father God, not Yeshua, who's the image of the invisible father, a Hebrew man, not him. When I'm looking at Father God, I see an oval sort of, there's no, no lines, but I see a bright white and yellow ball of fire, electricity, and light. That's what I see. Anybody else? Something like that? Well, that's a lot different than a dude, isn't it? Nobody's right or wrong, by the way. We'll all rock, say, paper, scissors in heaven, okay? About who. But my point is this. Don't, shouldn't we do well to, to question the foundations? Here's why. We talked about fearing God. That's a big deal. Lots of us, unfortunately, when we, see, when we hear the word father, the word father to us can mean many different things. Brenda sat here, stood here yesterday, a week ago, literally a week ago today, and said she had a dad who she could crawl up in his lap and fall asleep on his chest and she could hear his heart beating, right? Remember this, Brenda, is this true? So to her, father, comfort, peace, strength, protection. That's good, and I'm happy for you because I care about you as a person. You're one of my favorite people. 
However, I don't spend a lot of time in the office with repairing images of people who had a dad like that. I spend a lot of time in the office with people whose father meant abuse and neglect, betrayal, pain, heartache. Brenda admitted that last week too, didn't we? We said one of the huge things. So can I make a suggestion today? Just poking my nose around. That if our ideas of Father God are something that as we explore we're not comfortable with or don't line up with God, can I just make a suggestion that we, without meaning to, kind of created something out of that? Maybe, maybe that's dad that we projected. I've told you my story before. My dad um, would very much withdraw when challenged or disappointed. And I felt, um, and by the way, me acknowledging that is not me dishonoring my father. Some, of, some people think that if you say a negative thing about someone's behavior, you're dishonoring them or bringing them down. Jesus is the truth, dude. What I just said was the truth. I acknowledged one of my dad's limitations. I did not say he is blank. That's judgment. Labeling. But when I said he had a tendency to do blah, blah, that's actually me loving him in truth. So if my dad, based on all his circumstances, withdrew when challenged or when I disappointed him, number one, that's the right thing to do, by the way. Be honest about people in your life. Because now, if I'm honest about that, I can see that I projected that onto Father God. When I had a bad day or did something selfishly, I would automatically assume, there he goes. Do you follow me? Until we're all 100% on board with me, I'm not going to move on. I saw that my father had a certain way of doing things. Without me examining them, I projected them onto Father God, and it limited my experience of God. Do you follow me? Good, bad, or indifferent. Do you see where, just like last week I said, the hard part is that first part. Sometimes the hard part is examining some of those weaknesses we experienced that led to that projection because we don't want to dishonor. We don't want to go back there sometimes to that place of hurt. And so we just push it down and we don't see it for what it was. The problem is just like grief and hear me out. I've got my counselor hat on now. I'm working on a decade of counseling is this both being counseled and counseling, by the way, both sides of that couch, just like grief if you don't acknowledge it, it doesn't go away. It lasts longer. Some of you, man, that's the price of admission right there. If you don't turn and face the things that have caused limitations in your, or projections in your, in your relationship with God, they won't go away. They'll just keep harming you. They'll just keep, you'll be 50 years old, can't feel the love of God, 55, 60, 65, 70, still can't feel and experience the love of God. Nothing's wrong with you, and you're not lesser. You have this thing that you inherited you need to work through. Or don't. But it's going to be a limitation until you do. Speaking of dad, and my brother Nick, if you're listening, I'm not talking smack. I'm telling you my opinion. Two brothers lost a dad pretty suddenly. On a Tuesday morning, like any other morning, I lost my dad when I was 25. 25 is not a good age to lose a dad. I'd say it's a worse age than when you're 50 and have kids and they got to see blah, blah. I went to grief counseling. Do you know that hospice offers free grief counseling even if people weren't on hospice? 
Some of us know that, some of us don't. For those of you who are local, which is one one hundredth of you, on the way to Canton, there's a nice building there. Make an appointment and go talk to a counselor. It's free. And what they do is they tell you what they tell you that what you're going through is okay. That it's normal. Keep going. And you'll say things when you're grieving like, I'm really angry all the time. And they'll say things like, yeah. Yeah, that's good. And other times with grieving, a grieving is like an amplifier, guys. It's just turning up everything in your life. One thing used to slightly be annoying, and now you'll snap and throw something. I flipped a dumpster behind Duff's one day. Uh, yeah, Pete and I. And it wasn't, I was I, I just coming home, and I saw one of those big ones that the crane lands on, you know, with the big bar, and I just flipped a dumpster. I don't know. I wasn't in control of it because it happens whether I acknowledge it or not. It was going on underneath me. It was a loss. And it's the same thing with these things that we inherit, these hard, heartaches, these, these things that get projected onto us, the things that we were supposed to have and didn't have, those things that are shaping our idea of God, they're going to take place until you acknowledge them. And the same with grief. Grief is like a backpack you wear whether you like it or not. Now, the reason I bring my brother up is because I think this. I went through the process. I looked at it. When I needed to cry, I cried. When I got mad, I, I, I tried to positively let that anger out in places. Denials, dreams, whatever it was, sleeplessness. And next thing you know, it just receded like an ocean's tide. And I got to the final stage of grief with my dad, which is this. I miss him. But I'm okay. I have familiar dreams about him where I get to hang out with him. There's not, there's just, I'm comfortable with it. I'm living life with a loss, okay? That's the final stage of grief. Grief. Now I'm going to say, and again, I don't want Nick to get upset, but it took Nick, who did not go through that same thing, a lot longer to get there. I'm not going to say he's there yet. I don't know. And this was 12 years ago. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Two different choices, dude. And it's the same thing with these limitations that we inherit. Should we fear God? I'm already almost out of time. This is great. I'm not even down half a page, Val. Looks like we might be into a series, y'all. I was going to talk about ten, ten Commandments. Can you imagine that? Oh, my gosh. Should we fear God? Let's do this, would we? And we're not going to, Okay, this is what we're going to stick at. Who is the author and perfecter of our faith? Jesus Christ is the author and perfecter of our faith. So if he's the perfecter of our faith... Can, is it safe to assume that we look to him for how to do things? Is that safe to assume? When he was tempted, tempted by the actual devil in, in the desert, tempted in every way that you're tempted but without sin, is it not right to look at the way he reacted and emulate that, right? Do you think he did anything that's lacking that we need to do more than Jesus Christ did on earth in our walks with God? So, so we've arrived to a conclusion where as long as we copy as best we can and walk in the footsteps of Yeshua, we're good, Correct? Did Jesus fear God? You're not getting that, guys. Okay, that's fine. Listen, I'm coming across your priest. So a voice from heaven says, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. And it shook the ground. Did he run in terror? But you just, some of you just said he did fear God. When, when a dove, which is the spirit of God, comes upon Jesus, did he go, get off me? Come on, man, what's fear? Would we need to define fear? fear i'm afraid fear is not reverence that's a different word that's a different word in greek it's a different word in hebrew it's a different word in english reverence uh respect i'm using the word fear afraid was jesus afraid of god 
Now, let me flip it on its ear. People listening online, and I'm not looking at anybody in this room. Some of you absolutely should fear God to the bottom of your pinky toe. Some of you should run in terror from Elohim, who has feet of burnished bronze and eyes like fire in a robe dipped in blood. Some of you should absolutely fear God. He who will crack open this earth with a word. He who could erase you from existence and no one would even miss you because he's the one who created you all. You know who I'm talking to right now? And if, listen, listen. I said open your hands. That means mouths. Do you know who should fear God? Those who are not born into his family. Those who look at him from afar and say, I don't know you. Then absolutely fear God. Do you follow me? If you have heard that Jesus is the Christ, Isaiah 51, the suffering servant of God, and you've said, nah, not for me, Dave, then absolutely fear God. Run and hide under the mountains and say, please, rocks, fall upon me, says Revelation. If you've decided you don't have time for Jesus in your life, absolutely run and scream. Hey, build a bunker, dude. I'll help you. You have absolutely every right. You should fear God. Because the wrath of God, which is the anger he has toward how we've bent and what we followed, is still upon you. Be afraid. Be very afraid. But if you've met him, I'm going to just do this very easily. There was once a man who was out on the ocean. It's a true story. And he was in a slave ship. And he was a dude that abused women. And he went his own way. And he abused slaves. He thought some people were worth more than other people, which we already talked about that, about the image of God. I guess black people weren't to this guy. And all of a sudden, a mighty storm raged. And can I tell you the fear of God is real easy to conjure up near a tidal wave? Anybody been near a violent ocean before? Oh, yeah, right? Or a mountaintop. Come on, give me something. Nature? Will you go, wow. Anybody been to a battlefield? Anybody been to the Grand Canyon? Anyone seen cumulonimbus clouds from above them? Stratonimbus clouds from the... Do you get what I'm saying? When, when, when earth shows the majesty of God? Well, all of that is absolutely wonderfully right. This guy is on an ocean that becomes more powerful than anything he can ever... Oh my gosh! And he goes down in the bottom. This is a true story. I'm not making this up. It's not a parable. And he says, Lord, save me. Grandma knew about you. Mom knew about you. I was too busy. Wanted to go my own way and I didn't care. But oh my gosh, I'm about to die. Lord Jesus, I need you. The ocean stills. I'm not going to say it was a miracle. I'm sure the weather pattern just ended. But that man then wrote a song about it. Gordo. That man then wrote a song about it. Stay with me, guys. The man wrote a song about it and it goes like this. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. He was right to fear God until the moment he called out to him. This is my point today. Absolutely, because guess what? All you can see on the outside is the power of God. But then when you come to God, ask, seek, or knock, move toward him, what happens? Then you experience his grace. And once, Amy, you've experienced his grace, do you really think you still need to fear him? Get it? The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God has to do with the law. But once you come out of the law into grace, let go of the fear, Greg. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you see where some of us want to hold on to both, though? And we think it's noble? 
Give me that old time religion. That old time religion. Where we didn't know if we were good with God. That old time religion. Where I felt a little condemnation. <laughs> felt a little condemnation. Come on, guys. That's old Baptist stuff right there. And I'm not picking on Baptists. That was good, right? That was pretty much for you. Thank you. A little Elvis in there. Did you notice? But he was a little Baptist too, though. <laughs> if you step into grace... The entire New Testament is spent on the idea of let go of the law, please. Fear will get you there. Good. Coming to Jesus Christ is the most selfish thing you can do on the planet, Val. Because I had dreams of terror when I was 17 years old and realized I was alone in this world. I didn't know what happened when I died and I had no power or control. So selfishly, I came to Jesus and I said, I got a bunch of things I'll do for you, Jesus. No, I didn't. I said, will you do for me, Jesus? You get it? I crawled to his feet and I said, please, for me, selfishly. Now, luckily, praise God, Jesus wanted me to be selfish in that decision because he's the lover of, of me and the creator of me. And he said, great, that's one time when selfishness will lead you the right way to me. So you're asking me to take care of you because you realize you're powerless? Huh? Absolutely. Now, once you're in my family... If you want to know me and who I am, I'm love, by the way. God is love. Love, perfect love, a perfect understanding of me, is actually going to cast out fear. I just quoted the Bible. God is love. Perfect love casts out fear. Eh. So if you still have a little bit of fear in your Gandalf idea of God, then I want to say this. Draw near to the love. Try to understand or recite or understand that God is love, right? Oh, remember when I said I didn't need you here with me today? This is why, because y'all aren't with me. So if I close my eyes, I want to see a relationship that Brenda had with her dad. That's what I want. I don't have that right now. I'm not going to lie to you. Yes, I see lightning, blah, 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 but the feeling that I have is the older I get, the more I really the tenderness, a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. I want to come to Father God and realize that the wrath of God is off of me. Christ took my punishment. I'm fully adopted and fully, I'm, I'm safe. And in that is where I want my walk to start every morning. Someone gave me the greatest compliment I've ever had. One of my greatest, and she said, uh, I was praying with a person and she said, you pray like someone who knows they're being heard. Someone who knows, not just they're being heard, but you pray like you're actually talking to him and he's listening. And I know, I know. I know I do. Because the way God raised me was out in the woods. Not in a church setting. I didn't know any different. And sometimes when you guys aren't around, I pray like I really pray. And it's me and him. And you know what gets you there? If I'm afraid... He's going to hurt me? I can't be vulnerable with him. Okay, as we're getting ready to close, let's go back to the, to the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you want some homework for the week, y'all, go read that in John. It's a long prayer, isn't it? He prays for his immediate disciples. He prays for the people who come to believe from the disciples. Do you see a posture of fear of God, or is Jesus bringing his fears to God? Which one, A or B? B. I mean, do you need me to tap dance up here? 
I got boots on. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Boots. Bottle caps. I could put bottle caps. <laughs> All right. Clog. Right? Well, I can clog. Jesus did not show us that it was right, that it was pious to, to fear the one who says, I accept you. Let me read you something. I went to bed last night, opened up this book, and this is what it says. In the New Covenant, the New Testament, because of Christ Jesus, God relates to the believer in a new way. Through writing his law, 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 on our hearts and minds. When the law is written on our hearts and minds, and when God himself dwells inside of us, we no longer need to be controlled from the outside, from these laws, right? Because we have the capability and responsibility to control ourselves, to tell ourselves what to do, and to make ourselves do it based on what we know to be true. The final verse in uh, Jeremiah 31, when it says, I, Jeremiah 31 says, I'll forgive their inequity and their sin I will remember no more, says Jeremiah, about us. As long as our sin, as long as our sin had not been punished and our hearts remained spiritually dead, we were separated from God. But on the cross, Jesus dealt with that condition that required God to relate to us from the outside. And as a result, punishment, wrath, and intimidation have all disappeared from his attitude toward us. Do you get it? Jesus said, Tetelestai, it is finished. Punishment done. Okay? His attitude, God has become a safe place. Because sin has been dealt with in the New Testament, that's us, we no longer need to be punished or controlled, but we're called to learn to manage our freedom responsibly. You see that? And that changes the goal of government as well as the goal of parenting. And this, this is the book we did two couple years ago, where if you're punishing your kids, then you're really not understanding it the way God did it. It's discipline. Correction and discipline, absolutely. But if you want to parent like the father parents, it's not punishment. It's not, I'm going to hurt you because you did that. It's let me correct you. Always your behavior follows the priority of relationship. The relationship has to be intact and behavior can change out of it, but never sacrifice your relationship for behavior modification. If you haven't read this book, we bought them. They're back there. It's fantastic. This guy, you know who he does? what he does? Speaking of parenting, Gandalf God fear. He takes, he takes parenting that's out of control and at the end of the rope, like parents of convicts or parents of juvenile delinquents, and he sits them in a room, and he has these classes. And you know what he says to him? He says, she's like, my daughter's out of control. She's doing drugs. She's never staying home. She slapped me. She slapped the dog. She slapped the cat. It's terrible. I can't deal with this. And you know what he says, though? Listen, what, what some of us would go, this has to do with your relationship with God. I'm just putting you in the parent role right now. Some of us would go, well, dude, what are you doing? You know, keep her home, get her grades up, behavior modification, behavior. You know what he does? He goes, how's your relationship with the kid? Huh? Slap the cat, slap the dog, slap me, does drugs. No, but when did your heart stop connecting? When did the relationship? And that's where the repair comes from. You know where he got that idea of parenting? I don't know. From God. God's not after your behavior. That's a bad line of crap someone sold you. God's after your heart. And we'll close part one, potentially. Don't ever believe me because I don't know what he's going to say to me throughout the week. But part one is this. I don't think it's pious to fear God. I think you're hanging on to something and grabbing something from the old covenant 
bringing it in and saying, hey, look at me. Aren't I good that I fear God? And God's going, if you really understood who I am to you, whom I've become to you because of the power of what Jesus did, you, the last thing you'd want is fear to separate you and I. Climb up in my lap, put your ear to my chest, and hear my heartbeat. That's what I want for you. So that's my challenge for you this week. We're going to pray and we're going to go home. Because I hope that Holy Spirit begins to undo that process. That we can at least, we're going to give him permission in the prayer. We're going to give him permission to, to separate dad from father God. And let each one be what he truly is. Does that make sense? Whether you had a good dad or not so good dad. Everyone is limited when it comes to the father. Even if you had the best dad, I want you to separate that. And I want you to see father God for who he is. So let's bow our heads. Everybody even online. Heavenly father, this is, um, this is wild. And some of us want to, well, even me, father God, some parts of me want to resist this because it seems too good to be true. But doggone it, I can't come up with an argument that says we're wrong. It seems as though you are love. It seems as though your perfect love casts out fear. And it seems as though you want us to be loved fiercely by you, as we sang before. That you're a good, good father. That it's who you are because of Christ. And loved by you is who I am, even when people told me I was worthless. That I was trash, that I wasn't worth love, that I was only worth leaving but you are love. You, 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 you reached down and saved me. You, you, of all these people, the 1% of people I know on this planet who serve you and I'm one of them. Father, help me to get my head around that, my heart, my spirit around that and help me, Lord God, to separate the things that my earthly dad was to me and wasn't to me. Help me to separate that both parents, in fact, from you and who you are. I want to take you at your word. You call that faith. I want you. I want to take you at your word that you have plans to give me a future and hope, and 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 that I'm safe in you. That you've become a safe place for me. Oh, Father, please show me what is kicking around inside of me and separating that me from understanding and fully embracing that. That I am your beloved son. That I'm your beloved daughter. Running around as a child, barefoot in the grass, with a father who delights in me who pays attention to what I'm doing. And when I say, Daddy, look, you do look. That you're not too busy for me, Lord. And I don't have to do a doggone thing for you to delight in me. Because in Christ you say you do. Lord, though we are few, I pray this miracle for each and every person listening to my voice, honestly. We all need this desperately, Lord God. There are wounds running through each and every one of us that are limiting us in such a way. And for those of us, Father God, who, who have stepped uh, even a few steps into this process of love, may we shine that love to the people around us and become that safe place for the people around us as well. But we give you permission, Holy Spirit, to repair our hearts, to do what only you can do because you're gentle and loving and kind. Help us to move in this direction, Father. You become our dad. We love you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for this acceptance. Amen. All right, everybody, thank you for listening online. Have a great week. Join us maybe for next week. We'll see what happens, what God has to do.